Welcome to your IVF Abroad podcast, where I will share, educate and empower you on your journey with infertility and IVF Abroad. I'm Emma Haslam, your host, mum via treatment abroad and the IVF Abroad expert. Since the birth of my son in 2018, I have made it my mission to make fertility treatment more transparent, accessible, supported and affordable. I now help people around the world just like you to find a safe, best fit clinic, have fertility treatment and achieve their dreams of starting or expanding their families. And I'm here now to help you too. Hello and welcome to episode 20, the final episode in series one of my podcast, Your IVF Abroad with me, Emma Haslam. We're here. I can't believe it. I can't believe I've got through to episode 20 and I've so enjoyed doing the podcast. I mean, it's not the end. I will be back um, next year, 2023, in February, March time. I haven't quite decided when yet, but if you subscribe to the podcast, then you will be the first to know when the first episode of season two lands. But yeah, it's exciting. And I still plan to do some solo episodes, but also I want to bring in some experts from the world of infertility and also some guest experts, the people like myself who have been abroad for fertility treatment. So you can hear things from their points of view as well. Um, Between now and the new podcast releasing, just wanted to remind you that I do have a blog So if you're wanting to consume more information about having fertility treatment abroad and about infertility, then go check out my blog, which is at yourivfabroad.co.uk forward slash blog. I'll link that in the show notes for you as well. And if and when you've listened to all of these episodes of the podcast, if you haven't been and downloaded my free guide to the process of having fertility treatment abroad, then now would be a good time to go and do it. I've pulled it together because this is something I so desperately needed as I couldn't get my head around how it all worked. And I think before you can make a decision about whether or not something's right for you, you need to know at least top line how it works. So I've created a short, simple, step-by-step guide to that process. And you can grab your copy again via the link in the show notes. I think with the links, you have to copy and paste them into your browser but then you will be able to access the things that you want to access. Now, before I get into today's episode, into today's episode, um, I've just got a favour to ask, please, if I can. First of all, I want to say thank you so much to those of you that have taken time out of your busy days to leave me a five-star rating and review on the podcast. It just so helps... um, the podcast to get out there to more people and ultimately that is the aim of the podcast right um you know it's a totally free way for people to get more information about something and help them work out whether or not it may or may not be right for them and then help them to take steps to move forward and ultimately you know I'm on a mission to help as many people as I can globally to have safe and ethical fertility treatment that is more affordable that is transparent. That is 
more accessible and that is supported. And I can only do that with your help to spread the message about this podcast. So thank you in advance. If you could just take a minute of your time at the end of this episode to go and do this, I would be super, super grateful. I'll try and remind you again at the end of the episode, but I might forget. (laughs) But thank you so much um, in advance. And thank you for listening. You know, thank you so much for showing up and joining me and making me feel like I'm not talking um, to myself, (laughs) which effectively the second while recording it I am. But I know that lots of you out there are listening and from all over the world as well, which is absolutely amazing. So thank you. And I'm looking forward to coming back with um, with season two and bringing you some great guests as well. Okay, so on to today's episode, which is a slightly different format to usual. I get asked lots of questions about fertility treatment abroad. Of course I do. And I write each one of them down when somebody asks a question. And I've noticed that there are trends in certain questions being asked several times by different people, of course, makes sense, right? And so if those people are questioning these things, then there will be lots of other people questioning them as well. So I just thought it would be super helpful. And actually, I had so many questions going around my head, oh my God, when I was trying to figure out like how everything worked with fertility treatment abroad and just so many questions whizzing around my head um, and it was overwhelming. (laughs) So I wanted to bring you an episode to look at some of these questions so that I can help you feel less overwhelmed. And if at any point in time you've got any questions you want to ask me that you want me to cover on the podcast, the blog, then just send through, um, send them through to hello at yourivfabroad.co.uk. Just send me through your question, say it's for the podcast and blog, and I will do my best to come on at some point and record that episode for you. Or write about it, or both. Okay then, some of the frequently asked questions. How long do I need to be abroad for my fertility treatment? So these are, of course, approximates because it depends on your circumstances and it depends on the clinic as well. But as a guide, um, if you were having a frozen embryo transfer, which is typically people um, either going back for a second round, should there be um, some embryos left over to freeze from round one? Um, So it might be that they've had a failed transfer, um, the first time round, or they're going back to try for a sibling. So if that's the case, then you're likely to only need to be there for really one day, but typically people would go for a couple of days. So you're not having to do all the traveling and everything one day, which you can do, but that's just a lot, isn't it? For one day for for some people. If you're having a fresh embryo transfer using own egg, then typically you might need to be away for 10 days, sometimes up to 12 days, but more than likely around 10 days. And if you're doing a donor egg, fresh transfer, um, then you're likely to be needed for about seven days. So I hope that helps um, because I think some people think they're going to have to be away for like 
you know, potentially a month. Um, but, you know, the reality is for lots of people, depending on where you're traveling from, lots of people begin their medication and monitoring in their home countries to cut down the time needed to be away from home. Do the clinics abroad all offer free consultations? So the answer to this is no, they don't. Um, and we're talking here about the medical consultations with the doctors. Um, you would be able to have a free call with one of the coordinators, for sure. The coordinators, the people that look after patients, the person at the end of the email, the person that's often with you at the clinics when you go and, you know, for your visits. Um, you would absolutely be able to have a free call with them. And they can answer things like logistical questions and that kind of stuff. Costs, um, you know, general things that are non-medical. But in terms of the actual medical consultations with the clinic, the answer is it depends. A lot do offer free calls. Um, but if they do charge, it's, it's quite different to say how it is in America or Australia or the UK, where you would pay quite a, a handsome amount of money each time you have a consultation whereas what tends to happen abroad it, it's around about 100 to 140 euros typically for a consultation so it's much cheaper than say for example some of the other countries that I've mentioned but what tends to happen is a lot of them will say um if you choose to go ahead with our clinic treatment at our clinic then we will knock the price of that initial consultation off your treatment um so that's good or um, they charge for the first consultation, but then they don't charge for any of the future consultations. Um, so, you know, I've worked with clinics where they have charged that initial fee, but then literally don't charge for any other consultations with the doctor for as long as you're with that clinic. And then I've had other clients have, you know, free consultations throughout and then other clients who have paid an initial fee for the first consultation and then that has been refunded off their treatment and they've not had to pay for any future consultations so it's much more manageable and it's also really helpful if you want to review and benchmark two or three clinics you know against each other is it really cheaper to have fertility treatment abroad and the answer is yes absolutely you know there's so many places in Europe that are far cheaper than places like America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Saudi Arabia, UAE, um, UK, Ireland, just thinking about where my clients kind of come from, even including travel and accommodation. You know, I know of, of, of many clients that have had two rounds of Oneg IVF with ICSI for the same price as one in their home country, Sometimes um, three rounds, depending on where they live, um, you know, and there are even bigger savings to be made if people are having, say, for example, egg donation abroad versus in their home countries, particularly in countries like America, where it is just the fees are outrageous. So, yes, even with travel and accommodation, it should still be cheaper, like for like going abroad. Now. A lot of people, um, I was just thinking about how to read this question out, but it's probably best to give you a bit of context first. A lot of people will say to me, um, there's only the option, isn't there, of anonymous egg 
and or sperm donation if I go abroad. And that's just simply not true. Now, in Europe, certainly there are more destinations that offer anonymous donation than offering non-anonymous donation. But there are options for both. So I, for example, offer both options through the suite of clinics that I recommend to clients so that people have got a choice um, to do what is right for them. Um, so, yes, that is is an option. Um, or should I say they are an option. Both are an option. I'm in a same-sex female relationship. Can I go anywhere for fertility treatment abroad? Unfortunately, not. Um which is ridiculous, I know. There are some countries that if you are in a same-sex relationship, you are not allowed legally to have treatment. There are also some countries that are, um, how do I put this, not tolerant of, um, you know, not tolerant outside heterosexuality, which again is just outrageous but it is the way that it is unfortunately in some countries so you've got to do your homework on the country and also I've been looking out for the clinics that display the LGBTQ plus badges on their website or you know ask the clinics because again your experience with clinics will vary dependent on the attitude of that kind of country and that clinic as well and you want to be comfortable with where you're going so even if you are allowed by law to have treatment somewhere you want to make sure you go into a country that is liberal and um, where you're going to feel comfortable. And it's the same moving on to my next question about, um, you know, I'm single. Can can I still have treatment abroad? It's the same answer, really, in terms of, um, you know, doing your homework and destination, because there are some countries where legally, if you're if you're a single female, you're not able to have um, your treatment abroad. Um, so that's just something worth bearing in mind when you're having a look as well. Um, and then I've also, I also get questions from people sort of saying things like, you know, I'm not Caucasian, um, you know, I'm a person of colour, am I going to struggle to get an egg donor to match my ethnicity? So the answer to that would be, it depends on where you're going to go. You need to do your homework around, you know, the countries that can offer um donation to match your phenotype which is your skin color your hair color your eye color your weight your height your build etc um because otherwise you could potentially be sat on a very long waiting list unnecessarily whereas you can go somewhere else and um it not be it not be difficult um let's go on to the next question are the clinics abroad covid safe so certainly the clinics I work with are COVID safe. Um, you know, these are state-of-the-art, world-class, clean clinics that have to comply to certain regulations. These are questions that you could absolutely be asking those clinics so that you feel safe. Um, it's well, it's safe from infection completely, isn't it? Um, but, you know, COVID-19 is still a thing. And, um, you know, you need to make sure that you keep yourself safe. So that would be a good question to ask the clinics are there any waiting times for treatment a lot of the clinics abroad there are no waiting times for treatment sometimes there is a wait to be matched to a donor it's typically a lot quicker than here say for example in the uk obviously it depends on your requirements and that depends on that you know then where you're looking in terms of being matched to a donor you know does that clinic have its own egg bank does it have 
a large database of donors that match your um, your phenotype because that will impact on the time that it takes to be matched to um, a donor. But even while you're being matched, there are things that you can do to get yourself prepared and ready for treatment, like sort out your medication, decide when you're going to be having your treatment, know what your treatment plan is going to be so that you can make a plan, um, you know, so that as soon as a donor's found, you're in a position ready to go ahead and have your treatment. You know, I've had clients where it's taken like a week to be matched um, up to kind of four months but typically it kind of sits somewhere in the middle around about eight weeks. But like I say, that's very loose because it really does depend on your characteristics, your um, preferences and the country and clinic in which you're looking at um, will impact on, on that time as well. But in terms of ONEG IVF, typically there are no waiting times for treatment. Um, I know in Greece in August, a lot of the clinics take a two to three week shutdown period because that's when they have their holiday and it's too hot. Um, so that can then impact on waiting times for treatment because they've had that shutdown period. So that's something to bear in mind if you're thinking about going to Greece around that time of the year. Um, where's the last one? I think I've got one more question. Um, where is it okay can you get your prescription at home or do you have to go abroad to get your medication and the answer is no you don't have to go abroad to get your medication you might wish to some people do that um but you should be able to get your medication in your home country and there are lots of ways to do this depending on where you live um but yes absolutely you should be able to get your medication um so that if you want to start your cycle at home then you can do so i'm going to leave it there hopefully that's giving you some good food for thought and i'll do one of these episodes again in the future if you like it and answer some more of your questions but for now that is it episode one sorry episode 20 season one done so thank you again for listening i hope you found it helpful and if you've got a minute to go on and drop me a five-star review a rating i would be super super grateful take care see you later bye thank you for listening to your ivf abroad podcast with me emma haslam if you're interested in finding out if ivf abroad could be right for you then download my free checklist at yourivfabroad.co.uk forward slash who is IVF abroad for.